But if you have your Bible, turn to Mark 11. Mark chapter 11. I have a different kind of message today, maybe than than normal, but it's going to be what the Lord wants us to talk about. Mark 11, verse 22. And let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you that every heart is open and ready to receive. Every mind is alert. And we thank you for your word that we retain it. We're going to be doers of your word and not hearers only. In Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for quickening everybody from the top of their head to the sole of their feet. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark 11, verse 22, this is when Jesus cursed the fig tree. And as they were going, how many remember what he, he did? He said, no man eat fruit of you hereafter and forever. So Jesus is actually looking for fruit in our lives. And so Peter calls to remember, says, Lord, <laughs> how quick it was that you, you just did this yesterday. You, you cursed the fig tree and it's withered away. Jesus, in verse 22, answering, saith unto them, have faith in God. Or in the margin it says, have the faith of God or have the God kind of faith. And so he's going to go on and explain what this God kind of faith looks like. For truly I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be removed, and be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. You know, this, this is a principle, this is a, a principle of God that works whether you believe it or not. That you're going to have whatsoever you say in life. People say, well, I don't believe it. Well, it just worked for you. And so it's an unalterable law of God that you're going to have what you say. Therefore, I say unto you that what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. So what things soever you desire, who has things that they're believing God for right now? Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. Or another word for that is take. Believe that you take. At some point, you you get to the point where you're convinced of the will of God. You're convinced that he wants you to have it, that it's yours. And you ask, the Bible says you, you have not because you ask not. You ask and then what do you do? You believe that you receive. At some point, you believe that you take it. And it's not that God's holding on to it like you can't have it. He freely gives it to us, but we have to receive it. We have to take it unto ourselves. And he says, believe that you receive and take it, and you shall have them. So the believing and the receiving is before the having. I know that's real simple, but that people get tripped up on that. Believe that you receive. But notice he says, what things soever you desire. You know, I think in life, even as a believer, people are not specific enough. <clears throat> well, you know, whatever the Lord wants. Well, what do you want? Well, you know, the Lord knows what I need. And 
So then you just have these unspoken requests. Who's ever heard of unspoken requests? Usually the unspoken request is not answered because it's not spoken. Come on, because you're not asking for it. And so (laughs) he says what things soever you desire. I believe also that people, when it comes to the things of God, they don't desire things strong enough. They just think, well, you know, if I just throw a prayer halfway in God's direction, if he answers it, fine. If not, then no, there's no tenacity. There's no, no grabbing hold. Like, like the old timers used to talk about grabbing hold of the horns of the altar. What does that mean? You're going to grab hold of God and, and, and don't let go. Like a snapping turtle, like a bulldog, you're going to grab hold of God. Hallelujah. So I want to I minister this morning along the lines of this. How strong is your want to? How strong is your want to? It's been said this, that when the pain of remaining the same is greater than the pain of change, then you'll change. Who's ever just been sick and tired of being sick and tired? You know, you you have to get to that place many times in life, even as a Christian, before. Why? Because if you don't get to the place, then you'll just, well, it's okay. It's, you know, we just put up with this. A lot of believers just put up with stuff. When God wants us to be assertive. I remember uh, many years ago. And it's funny how, how, how when you hear something, it sticks with you. This was like 2002. A friend of mine was, um, he was actually uh, just living next door. I had this town home. And uh, anyway, we were playing basketball or something. We came back in, and then he turned on the TV. And um, Pastor Joel Osteen was on. And so I still remember it, to, you know, to this day. He said this. He said, the pain of discipline is always less than the pain of regret. The pain of discipline is always less than the pain of regret. So, you know, you know, it's not always, discipline's not always fun, is it? I don't care if you're talking about your physical body or getting up early or whatever. But as painful as that is, it's less than the pain of having regrets and having things that just weigh on your mind. I wish I would have done this. Why? Because we know time is ticking away. We don't have time to just waste. And here's the thing. Realize this. You always will pay a price. But which one are you more willing to pay? Let me just use it like this. And we're going to get into good Bible examples. But say this, you know, just say like, just say if you want to lose 10 pounds or 20 pounds or whatever. Well, there's a, dis, there's a price, the price to pay, isn't it? What's, what's the price you're going to have to pay for all of us? Maybe, um, maybe the midnight Dagwood snacks. I mean, you know, know what I'm talking about, or Scooby snacks or big sandwiches like this. Maybe cookies, maybe cheesecake at midnight. There's, there's something that everybody, there's a price to pay. But what if, you know, what if you say, well, you know, I'm not willing to pay that price. Then what's it going to cost you? 
It's going to cost you feeling good about yourself. It's going to maybe cost you your health. Maybe it's going to cost you different things. So you're going to be paying a price either way. But you have to realize which one is more important. Which price am I willing to pay more of? And see, you know, people always look at you when you talk about things like this, but people always understand this when it comes to weight. But in life, we have to learn as a believer to fight. How many know what the Bible says in 1 Timothy 6.12? Fight the good fight of faith. Everyone say that. Fight the good fight of faith. That's the only fight that we're called to as a believer. And if, if you're not in the faith fight, then you're in the wrong one. Yeah. You know, people read that and they start fighting one another. But one thing I've learned, you know, as a believer, you have to have a fighting spirit. Now, I'm not talking about fighting your, your brother, your sister, your, your husband, wife. But as a believer, you have to have a fighting spirit. There was a study done many years ago by medical doctors, and it was talking about the power of the fighting spirit. And I wish I had a copy of it. I've got an audio of it, but um, this minister talking about it, but he was talking about how they, they talked about nothing about faith, nothing, nothing about believing God, but it was all about faith when you read it. Because he was talking about not quitting. And believing and standing your ground. And one of the things he was talking about was different instances that these doctors noted about people who recovered. That people who, who had a, what they called the fighting spirit, they re- responded much quicker. Other than others that they just began to capitulate and give in. And, and those that would just give up. And you know, even doctors, they'll help a person that's willing to fight. I mean, they'll, they'll come around at two in the morning. They'll come and help people that are willing to fight because they, they see something in their eye. And there's a, see, there's a lot more to healing up than just the natural. There's the spirit of man. That's why we always talk about the, the spirit of man, Proverbs 18, 14 says, the strong spirit of a man will sustain him in bodily pain and trouble. But a weak and wounded spirit, who can raise up and bear? So there's a lot more to, to healing than just the outer man. There's the inward man. <clears throat> you know, there's many people that, that maybe something wasn't really wrong with them. But they, something happened, they got discouraged. They got depressed and they got down. Then something hit them that was minor and it took them out. Why? Because they lost that fight. They lost the fight. But the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you believe a thing in your heart, that's the way it's going to be in your life. I just heard this um, story just as I was randomly listening to Brother Hagen um, just a couple of days ago, and this was like 1984 when he preached this. I had downloaded it a couple of years ago, but really never listened to it. 
And in there, he was talking. We're talking about how strong is your want to. That want to to live. That want to to succeed. That want to to do what God's called you to do. If it's great enough, you'll overcome anything. So he said that in this study he read in the Tulsa world, they had followed 65-year-old to 72-year-olds and followed them for seven years. Because what they said were dealing with people that were getting older, helping them to be more positive in life. And so at the end of this study, they were 72 years old all the way to 79 years old. And so one of the things they said even there was the doctor said that even those that were physically challenged, those that were having problems, when they believed that they were going to get better, every one of those people were still alive. But at the end of that time, even people that didn't have much wrong with them in their physical body, but they believed that they weren't going to live long. They weren't going to, you know, triumph. Most every one of them were gone. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So the Bible is full of people with a fighting spirit. Church history is full of people who fought and won against the odds. And so you have to have a stronger desire than what you're facing. A stronger desire to live. A stronger desire to succeed than to perish. And a stronger desire to change than remain the same. Year after year. So I want you to turn over to 2 Kings chapter 7. 2 Kings chapter 7. Hallelujah. I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Say that with me. I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. In 2 Kings chapter 7, we see this huge famine going on. And here the word of the Lord comes through Elisha. And notice what he said. Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. See, the thing you have to understand, they were, they were eating donkey heads. Pigeon dung. I mean, was sold for huge amounts of money. How many know you're in a bad place? So the word of the Lord says, hey, tomorrow about the same time, this is what's going to happen. And so fine flour for a shekel, two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, behold, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat thereof. And there were four leprous men at the entering end of the gate. And they said one to another, Why sit here till we die? Have you ever said that in your life? Why sit here till I die? 
Why sit here till I perish? I'm already perishing. I might as well do something about it. He says, if we say we will enter into the city, then the famine's in the city, and we shall die there. Why? There's no food over there if we go over there. And if we sit here, we're going to die as well. Now, therefore, come, let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. I mean, that's a good, that's a good way to look at it. If we, if we go over there in the city, we're going to die of hunger. If we stay here, we're going to die. Why don't we just go over there and see what happens? They had a want to to do something better than what they were living in. And they arose in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the king of the Hittites and the king of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight. They left their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, even the camp, just like it was. And they fled for their life. And when these lepers came into the uttermost part of the camp, they went in one tent, and they did eat and drink, and carried thence silver and gold and raiment, and went and hid it, and came again and entered into another tent. So can you imagine... They've been starving. And they go, and, and they boldly go where that no one was going. But the Lord had made this great sound. And so the, the, the Syrians were gone. They begin eating. One goes in to get some shepherd's pie. And, and he's eating. He says, hey. And, and, and he goes out and he says, hey, so-and-so. Look what we got here. It's only four of them, of course. And then the other one said, yeah, look what I got. I got some gumbo. And um, boy, you know, this is so good. And, and the other guy, he's like, boy, look, look what we have over here. We have some Nephila soup over here. <laughs> and um, kind of a funny story. Years ago, I, I was at a minister's conference, and I was talking to a guy who pastors the church. In Florida, and I told him I said I told him about being here in North Dakota, and I had known known this uh, pastor, and I talked to him about eating nephilim soup. He said, "What'd you say, brother?" He thought I said nephilim soup. You know, the Bible talks about nephilim. You know, the 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 giants in Genesis six. He's 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 like, "What are you eating up there, nephilim soup?" So I had to tell him we're not eating the giants. It's it's actually a different kind of soup. Nephila. So, anyway. So here they are. They, they go in this camp, and then they get all this raiment, all these different things. They say one to another, we do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we tarry to the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come that we may go and tell the king's household. So they came and called into the porter of the city, and they told them, saying, we came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there, neither voice of man, but horses tied and asses tied and the tents as they were. And he called the porters and they told it to the king's house within. 
And the king arose in the night and said to his servants, I will now show you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we be hungry. Therefore are they gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, When they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get them, or get into the city. And one of his servants answered and said, Let some take, I pray thee, five of the horses that remain, which are left in the city. Behold, they are all, as all the multitude of Israel that are left in it. Behold, I say, they are even as all the multitude of the Israelites that are consumed. And let us send and see. They took therefore two chariot horses, and the king sent after the host of the Syrians, saying, Go and see. And they went after them unto Jordan, and lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels which the Syrians had cast away in their haste. And the messengers returned and told the king. Look at verse 16. And the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians. So a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. So it was just like he said. And if you go and read, we read about how the, the man that, that whom um, the, the king leaned upon, it says that he was there. He saw it, but he was trod upon by the horses. So he saw it, but he didn't enter in. But these people had a want to that was greater. How many times do we just sit in a situation? Well, kumbaya, Lord, you just come by and, Lord, if you just take a liking to me and, and, and come look on my affliction. He does, but he wants to hear something from you. He wants you to cry out. He wants you to, to call upon him. Call upon the Lord while, he's in, while he is near, while he may be found. The Bible tells us in Mark chapter 5. Look over at Mark chapter 5. Hallelujah. This is talking about the woman with the issue of blood. This woman who was hemorrhaging, bleeding internally. Let me think that's a pretty serious thing. Verse 25, Mark 5, 25. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians, she had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. I mean, no, that can sound like today. People can go to many different specialists, not any better, spend all that you have. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. So what, what happened here? This woman, this was her faith speaking. The Bible never said that she heard 12 sermons on Jesus' ministry. Maybe just one time. So, you know, that just shows us that even now, we don't have to hear, we should feed our faith constantly. But all it takes is one message and acting on that message. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press. If I can just touch his clothes. I've heard about this healing 
Jesus. And it says she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. You know, you've had uh, symptoms for 12 years. You know when something changes. Oh, something, something feels different, you know. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue or that word is the same word, power. That power had gone out of him. He turned about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? Now just imagine you're in this big crowd. You're bumping against all kinds of people. How, how is it Jesus said, who touched my clothes? I'm sure Peter said, Lord. There's all these people. What are, you, what are you talking about? It says that his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? Now, I love what, uh, I believe it's Luke's account says this, Somebody touched me. Somebody touched me. See, when you touch Jesus, you, you go from a nobody to a somebody. And his disciple said, you see the multitude, who touched you? He looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, daughter, notice what it doesn't say. Daughter, my power has made you whole. My ability has made you whole. He says, daughter, your faith hath made thee whole. Now, we know it's the power of God. We know it's the anointing. But it, faith makes the power of God go from being inert to being active. What grabs a hold of it is faith. So Jesus said this many times, your faith hath made you whole. Thy faith hath made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. So we see that Jesus ministered this to many people. In fact, there were thousands of people healed in Jesus' ministry, but when you study the ministry of Jesus, if you're looking at individual accounts where it talks about, because the Bible talks about multitudes, great multitudes, so we're talking about thousands and thousands of people, but when we're talking about individuals, the Bible lists some 19 different accounts of healing. And it's repeated in the different gospel accounts. Ten of those 19, faith is recognized as the deciding factor. So why is that important? Because if her faith can make her whole, then my faith can make me whole. Now, we give the glory to God, but we have to understand, my faith has a part to play in it. So that's why I have to feed my faith. That's why I have to exercise my faith in the power of God. And so here she was, she's healed. But you have to understand, this woman had an issue of blood. She was just like a leper. She had to cry unclean. So, you know, you can imagine the, the boldness it took. She said, you know what? I've been this way for a long time. I'm tired of all these doctors. They haven't helped me and I've spent all that I have. Who's ever, you know, you don't have to raise your hand, but you experience that. You know, it's like you try to find out. You go to this specialist. And, and you, you, they can't help you. They just say, well, 
We're not sure. So she got tired of this. She said, you know what? I heard about this preacher and I heard how he does miracles. You know what? I'm just going to go jump right in the middle. So she said, you know, she said within herself. Maybe she didn't even say it out loud, but she said, just said to herself, you know, if I go touch that preacher, if I just touch even just the, the border of his garment, you know, he doesn't have to stop and pray for me. And she goes and takes the healing. She didn't even ask Jesus if it was okay. She didn't say, Lord, would you pray for me? Can I, can I, she just went in and just grabbed a healing without even asking. So that's why he said, who touched me? Because it said that, I believe it's the, the Passion Translation said, the power that forever goes around him and through him, it left him and went into her. That same power. You know why? Because healing is a heavenly materiality. It's a tangible substance. And so what happens is anointing and healing flows just like electricity. So this woman, she had to press through that. She had to leave. She had to go through the crowd and say, you know what? I could be thrown in jail. I, I could, you know, the, the Pharisees might come and get me. But there's, you know what? I've got to have this power today. I've got to have this anointing today. I've got to have this power flowing through me in the name of Jesus. And it's going to change my situation. And it's going to change my circumstances. Hallelujah. What activates that power though? Faith. You know, the Bible says in Acts chapter 14, Paul perceiving this man had faith to be healed. He said, stand upright on your feet. No doubt he was ministering the word of God and something just leapt on him. And he just said, hey, you believe this, don't you? He, you know, he perceived, hey, you got faith, you believe this. You can tell what people believe you, what, you know, what you're preaching. But notice he's still sitting there, paralyzed. he's still sitting there, paralyzed. So he says, stand up upright on your feet. He had to, he had to get up. Amen. You know, I've heard many testimonies of people take off running and they couldn't run. They just scooted. They scoot. After they scoot around about one time, then the power got hit them. But what's God looking for? He's looking for faith. <clears throat> I heard a story about this one man. And um, he said he prayed for him for healing. And he said, the minister said, I don't know why I told him, but I told him to run. He said, I hadn't run. He said, I hadn't run in 20 years. And, uh, but he did. He said he ran around. He came back. He was totally healed of varicose veins. Amen. And so that's obedience. Go dip in the Jordan seven times. Lord, that's a, that's a dirty water. Why, why do I want to go down there? It'd be like saying, go down to Patterson Lake. I, don't, I know because we, we baptized people there one time. And that was the, that was the only time we were going to do it. I don't know if it was the prickly things or if it was just the dirty feeling. But um, that's the only time we've done that. We, we, the toxic stuff. Yeah, we, we use chlorinated water from hence on, you know. <laughs> you don't have to be concerned about believing for healing when you get baptized. 
Hallelujah. So this woman, though, she had a want to. In life, you have to have a want to that's, that's greater than the challenge. And then blind Bartimaeus. I could give you dozens of these, but I'm just giving you three of them today. Blind Bartimaeus, Mark chapter 10. And look in verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the high wayside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now notice he, he, he called him by a covenant name. Thou son of David. Now, you know, we see the Syrophoenician woman, the one that Jesus said is, you know, basically called her a dog. I mean, that would have been it for most people. Preacher, who you calling the dog? And she would have left without. But they, if you study, I mean, they, they live like dogs. They live like animals. And so this woman, though, she was, she was using borrowed phraseology. She says, son of David. She wasn't even part of the covenant, though. He said, it's not right to give the children's meat to dogs. Lord, help. I'm not sent but to the house, lost, you know, sheep of the house of Israel. Help me, Lord. And he says, um, he says, you know, it's not right to give the children's bread. That's what he's calling healing. The children's bread. How many know that bread is a staple? Unless you're not eating any carbs, I mean, that's a staple, you know. And, you know, people use, they eat bread. That's what healing is. That's the children's bread. It's, it's our right. It's our privilege. It belongs to me. Lord, just pass some of that bread. Lord, I, I need a bowl of some healing. And, and pass some of that healing bread. And here's the thing. All one crumb is what you need. Amen. I, I'm eating a crumb right now as I'm preaching. I, I'm partaking of it right now. Hallelujah. I'm eating on the job. I'm drinking on the job. And so, this woman, though, she humbled herself and said, Truth, Lord. How I many know you have to humble yourself to receive? Humility and healing go together. She said, Truth, Lord. But, you know, even the puppies, they eat from under the table. I mean, I can see Jesus with this big smile on his face. And he says, woman, great is your faith. Great is your faith. And we see the devil going out of the daughter. So blind Bartimaeus, he says the same thing. He says, son of David, have mercy on me. And many charge him that he should hold his peace. Don't, don't you know this is church? You have to be quiet. But he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. You know, when you're desperate, you don't care what other people think. Now, we don't have it back there, but we should get some copies. Of Brother Hagin's book, I Went to Hell. He had an experience when he was 17 years old, when he was born again, of going to hell three times. 
And so he said that when he was going down, he said that he went down, he left his body. As he left his body, he could see the earth. He went down, down, down. He said that he got down there, this creature took him to, to take him in. He saw these big gates, the gates of hell. And he says, a voice spoke. He said, that whole place just shook. He said, and I just left, I came back up towards the earth. He said, I don't know who it was, but thank God that voice spoke. He said the second time, he was there and he was, he was talking to his mother. He came back in his body. Second time he left. And um, actually his, his, his granny was there, as he said. And um, his mom went outside to start praying. And um, anyway, he came back. He said, he said, Granny, I'm not coming back. He said, I'm, he said, I'm going again. And I'm not coming back. She said, son, I didn't think you were coming back that time. <laughs> she said, you know, where, where's, where's Grandpa? Well, son, you know, he went to go take care of that, um, the rental properties and stuff. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Well, he said, um, thank you for, for taking care of us. You were the only um, dad that I ever knew. My dad left at six years old. And, and thank you for being a, a, so, so wonderful to us. He said he left his body the third time. He said he went down, down, darker than any night that any man's ever seen. He said, I started saying, God, I belong to the church. I've been baptized in water. He said, no answer. He said it again. And he said, if, if, if I could, if, if people heard, he said it'd scare the wits out of them if they, if they knew how he screamed. He said, but if it would scare them out of hell into heaven, I'd do it. God, I belong to the church. I've been baptized in water. It's good to be part of a church, but it takes more than just being part of a church to miss hell and go to heaven. And so he said, though, that he starts crying out and calling on the name of Jesus. And he says that he starts praying and, and says, I, I believe you died for me. I call on, because he knew as a little kid that he was called to preach. People would ask him at five years old, what are you? He said, ah, a preacher, a preacher, <laughs> trying to say preacher. He said, I go out to preach. He said, I go out to preach to the corn. He said, I preach to the cabbage heads. He said, you feel like you're still preaching to cabbage heads yet, you know, when he, when he got into the ministry. And so he said, no response or anything. But anyway, he came back up into his body. He said that his voice picked that up. And so he's like shouting. And they said that his, his mom, as soon as he died, he, she went out. On the porch, you know, those big wraparound porches in Texas. And you see in the South as well. And so, she, between the two of them, traffic was blocked for two blocks around the house because they were yelling so loud. Well, when you see hell, I mean, you, you start calling on God. And so, anyway, he said that he was born again at 20 minutes till late. He said all that happened in 10 minutes. He went to hell three times. So he said, after that, he said, I'm so glad I'm, I'm going to heaven. He said, I didn't care if I died. <laughs> but, you know, when you're desperate, you don't care. Bartimaeus said, you know what? I don't care. So what did he do? He cast aside that garment. And here's the thing you realize. He had on a garment. Now, I like your garment back there. 
your, your coat. And so Shingi's coat, just think of that as, you know, it stands out. Amen? I like it. So you, Bartimaeus had a coat that stood out. What did it say? It says that I'm a beggar. That, that this is who I am. I'm blind. So what does the Bible say? It says he casting away his garment. So what's he saying? You know, I've depended on this for a long time, but I'm setting this aside. I'm going forth. I'm going right unto Jesus. I'm not going to be the same way that I've always been. And, and Jesus says, what will you that I should do unto you? You know, more than one time he asked a blind person that. Uh, um, Jesus, um, he's blind. Um, but he wanted to hear from them. Lord, that I may receive my sight. And notice what he said. Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith hath made you whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. So I want to ask you today, how strong is your want to? Your desire? Whatever it is that God has for you, are you willing to fight for it? Are you willing to go for it? Are you willing to, to press in for it? Or, or, you know, is it just like, you know, you know, I tried that once and it just didn't work. Well, that's being the last of the, the big time believers right there. You know, I'm reminded of a story. I'll, I'll close with this. Brother John Osteen tells a story of his mother. And his mother, well, see, it was a lot of those kids. And I, uh, in the process of time, his dad had passed away. And his mother wanted to date this man. But she had something that in her life that she wasn't real happy, proud of. She dipped snuff. And so, you know, he, he was thinking, Mom, you, she never, well, you know, I can't quit. That's what she would say. I can't quit. And, you know, if you don't want to quit, you're not going to quit. And, uh, you know, we don't, we don't condemn people for anything. If they, want, if they like it, you can love God and, and smoke. I mean, I'm not saying that it's right, but, you know, you can love God and smoke. You can love God and dip. You can chew. I mean, all kinds of things. I mean, I, I've, I've experienced things in my life that weren't 100% right. I still love God. What's it called? The weakness of the flesh. but you overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. So I just want to qualify that. Brother Osteen's mom, she said, you know, I can't quit, John. I can't, I can't quit. Okay, mom. You know, he didn't push it or anything. But then she met this man. And um, she really started liking this guy and wanted to date him. But she knew that if, that if she was committed to this man, that she couldn't dip snuff. <laughs> Guess what happened? She quit. Why? Because her want to. Her want to was, was stronger than, than, than what the desire of that. Amen. Well, see, that's just the way the things of the Spirit are. You know, the Bible says walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. When, when you get a desire for the, the Spirit... 
when you, when you get the Holy Ghost working on the inside of you, he's the one that helps us to overcome. So how strong is your want to? What does God place within your heart to do? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to accomplish it? You know, just say, if it's ministry, to study, to prepare. In the helps ministry, we have so many people that are involved in the helps ministry here, and we're so thankful for that. So if you're in the helps ministry, to devote time to it, your resources, to give of yourself. What if it's to be healed? Do you have a want to strong enough to study God's word? To feed on God's word? To do what he says to do? Amen. How many know this? It's the natural and the supernatural coming together that make an explosive force for God. You know, just say, for instance, if I'm in in the yard and I I hit my thumb with a hammer. Who's ever hit their thumb with a hammer? And all the other fingers. Well, you know, you believe God to heal that up. But what if you went out and hit it again? I mean, sooner or later, that thing is never going to heal up. So there's certain things in our life that we have to do to cooperate. And, and of course, that's being led by the Spirit, whatever God tells you to do. What about having our needs met? Do what he says to do. It's just like Jesus' mother said. Whatever he says to you, do it. And then what happened? There was the miracle. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Amen. Amen. Don't, don't, and don't let anybody... Let me just say this. Always... Don't tell people, that, especially when it comes to their body, don't tell them what to do because it's their body. You know, if someone's going to have an operation or a surgery... You know, first of all, where is their faith? You know, what, what are they believing God for? But God, you know, I, I know I've experienced this. You know, you pray for people and, and um, I, I mean, I know I've, I've had different procedures in my life. The first one being appendicitis. I, I didn't have time to say, okay. I mean, that's one of those things you're either, you're either healed immediately or you take care of it. But what do you do? You believe that God will help the doctor. That, they, they'll, that he'll guide their hand. That he'll lead them. And see, as you keep doing that, you, you build your faith at the same time. To where you don't have to have the operation. Where you don't have to have the thing. But, but don't ever tell somebody, well, don't do that. Don't do that. Because it's not your faith. It's not your body. And you know what's a, a terrible thing is when people do that with children. You know, I'm going to, you know, Johnny, you're going to be okay. You don't need that. And then a, a child dies. And that brings much reproach. Hallelujah. But how strong is your want to? You know, the Bible says this in James chapter 5. The heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man avails much. Makes tremendous power available. What kind of prayer? Heartfelt. Continued. Not, you know, I prayed 30 seconds and, and the Lord heard me. Heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man avails much, makes tremendous power available. Amen. 
dynamic in its working. So until you see the answer, what do you do? You keep believing. You keep praying and you keep at it. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your anointing. Even as we've shared, Lord, this morning, I thank you, Lord, for touching every heart. Father, may we step up to a higher place and go to a new realm. Father, we thank you that, Lord, even as we've shared these things, that people will be encouraged. Lord, that their want to would be greater. Lord, that we will not quit. That we will fight. We will fight the good fight of faith. We will lay hold on your promises. We thank you for it. With every head bowed and every eye closed, right before we leave. If you're in this place and you say, Pastor Will, even as you've been sharing this word this morning, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but today I want to make that decision. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. So we're, not, we're never promised the Bible says that we have the promise of a long life. But if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't have that promise. And so, if you want to make a decision and say, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I want to pray with you and for you. Or secondly, if you're in this place and you say, I once knew him, but I walked away from him. But I want to come back today. I want to re- recommit my life to Jesus afresh. If that's you, with no one looking around, Just slip your hand up and say, pray for me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We want to do just like we said. If you raise your hand, then stand to your feet. Come up to the front. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. What an awesome day. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want everyone to just stretch your hand out to them and, and say this prayer with us. And, you know, as, as you guys have come forward, you didn't come to man, you came to God. And so as we pray, just say this. Say, Father, I believe that you sent Jesus to die for me. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me. Cleanse me. Let me never be the same. I turn my back on the world and I follow you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you that you rose again for me. And that I'm on my way to heaven. I'm saved. I'm born again. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen.